host Effie Pilarino, and today's discussion is triggered by an article posting that caught my attention on AI-driven compassionate lending. I reached out to the author of this post to understand more about this topic. The author is Sandeep Magaraj, a Microsoft executive who is focused on supporting banks in their digital transformation. Welcome, Sandeep. Thank you. So tell us, what is this uh, concept of compassionate uh, lending? When I initially thought about compassionate lending, it was, the con it was in the context of a very particular use case, which is how do you handle and help customers who were facing hardships due to the pandemic? How do you make sure that you can be empathetic in communicating and reaching out to them, but at the same time, that doesn't impact your recovery rates and your economics? That's when I got introduced to this uh, partner of our Cement, who were doing some innovative work leveraging Microsoft's platform. What Cement was doing is they were augmenting traditional segmentation, risk-based segmentation, uh, using behavioral sciences. And specifically, what that led to, and I have talked a little about that and shared it in the blog, is they were actually able to achieve this balance. Now, today, when I'm uh, talking to you, Effie, and I'm thinking about compassionate lending, I think about it in a much broader context. To me, it means we need to put consumers and their needs first and foremost. What we are trying to do here is to make sure that throughout their journey with the financial services provider, be it you know initially when we approach them, how we price them, how we make sure that we are servicing them, we put their interests first. Very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this combination of what you call traditional analytics, which are um, AI analytics, um, it tell us also whether this is more for onboarding or managing um, the credit risk after the loan has been issued. That, that's something that I'd like to understand. But what intrigues me is how this combination of the AI and the behavioral sciences works in practice, or if you like, if, if you can give me a sense of how it works behind the scenes. Absolutely. There's an art and science to it, as you know, right? Uh, you know, if you look at it, it's a, in, at one level, it's an application of the scientific method, right? You need to make sure you define your problem. You have a set of hypotheses, you collect data that you can use to test the hypothesis, and then you repeat and refine. So in that sense, it's actually, you know, very similar to how we have approached problems like this for a long time. Now I'll tell you what the secret sauce is. And the secret sauce is the is a toolkit that is now available to data scientists and practitioners. I remember when I was a graduate student and I was trying to get insights from supermarket scanner data. At that point, that was a lot of data, but we struggled. We didn't have the resources at that point to be able, you know, the compute resources, the storage resources to get meaningful insights out of it. That is no longer the case. Push, you know, push off a button, you can access those resources and really analyze them and delve into it. The other type, you know, the other thing that has changed a lot uh, is 
what kind of data you can analyze. Like one of the things that uh, Cement does, for example, is use natural language processing to get feedback on consumers' response to different messaging strategies. So you can get real-time feedback. You can get feedback from sources that you have not traditionally used. So you have a much bigger toolkit now. Now, the art comes obviously in making sure that the strategies that you are designing and testing, that is based on deep understanding of psychological biases, decision-making and behavioral economics. So you combine the two and you get to what, you know, we can do today. Excellent, excellent. So, so in the context specifically of, of a loan, the behavioral sort of parts that um, uh, you, they, they are focused on, can you give us some examples of those? Like what kind of behavioral aspects uh, have shown um, that are important in our trade? Yeah. One of it uh, is uh, how you engage, right? Messaging actually is important. Right, uh, and so they use concepts like anchoring in terms of tailoring a message and showing that, yes, there is a commercial reason why they're reaching out to the customer at that same point, but they actually are using messaging that resonates with them and makes the customer comfortable to engage them when they're going through hardship. So that's like an example. So a lot had to do with how you approach it, when you approach it, what kind of messaging are you using and making sure that you're making that connection with that customer. I can imagine that that is extremely important when we have risks of uh, delinquency uh, uh, or, or late payments um, and so on. Now, how can I start thinking about this um, combination of behavioral sciences and AI analytics as beneficial to the provider? You already mentioned some aspects of that, but also how is it beneficial to the end client? Yeah, so let me, Effie, I'll ask you a question. When you went, when you, the last time you interacted with the financial services institution, did you face something like this? You have to first authenticate yourself when you went into the mobile or the web app. Then let's say you actually had to have an escalation because there is a, you know, you were trying to fund a loan, you needed some extra information. So you got, you know, uh, passed on to a chatbot. And when you got in the chatbot, you again had to authenticate yourself. And then maybe it was a more complex transaction and you had to then get transferred to a live agent and you again had to authenticate yourself. Now, I don't know whether you've experienced this personally. A hundred times. A hundred <laughs> times. I, I, I see that way too often. And think about it. What does it do? It leads to frustration. Yes. It uh, definitely wastes time. And do you think that because the bank or your financial institution is checking your ID three times, you think that they are more trustworthy with your data? Not really. So it's not even adding to trust and security, which is one of the reasons why we are doing this. Now, think about an alternate world in which using biometrics and using, uh, you know, digital fingerprinting, device fingerprinting and other, you know, other resources that are available. That is that journey can be enabled much easier. Yeah, you have to authenticate yourself once. Right. What does it lead to? It leads to 
a better experience for you. Mm -hmm. Trust in that bank increases. And we know time is money. So guess what? The financial institution, by enabling that journey, is actually saving you time, saving itself time. So that's one thing that they're gaining. And then you are going to be a more loyal customer if you continue, if they continue to wow you, right? And your satisfaction goes up, which means in the long term, they'll make more money. So this is good for you and definitely good for the financial institution. Great. How, how, does, how does that specifically uh, work in terms of the loan process? Um, is, is this uh, behavioral combination and compassionate approach, how does it help in servicing, for example, the loan? So think again, like, you know, you could have very similar scenarios when it comes to servicing, right? Uh, it could be that, let's say that there was a challenge in the timing of a payment and you had to re-engage the, uh, the, you know, your, your bank in this context to try to resolve it. Again, very similar experiences you can see happen uh, to what I just laid out uh, in the prior scenario. You have to call the bank and guess what? Though they have all this information about you, that you were late in making a payment, why, you know, the fact that you have actually had a long history of paying always on time, they saw that your payment came late because guess what? There was a deposit that cleared a little late. All that information is available to you. But if you have to interact with your institution, they have forgotten it all. And it's not because they have forgotten it all. It's because it's not available to the person you're interacting with. So again, even though the resolution is fairly straightforward, we know what will happen at the end of it. They will make you current. They will forgive the delinquency. The experience is not the same. And the experience leaves you, you know, without that connection that is important for us, right, to build trust. So again, throughout our journey, by smartly using data and technology, we can empower our employees to do better with our customers. What I'm hearing from you, Sandeep, and, and only through this conversation, I, I realize it is that you're really talking about relationship building. Um, it, it's a, it goes beyond the simple communication to be clear and, you know, compliant and, 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 and swift and, you know, fast and, and so on. It's, it's about relationship building between the financial services provider, the employee that is delivering, the specific employee that is delivering the service and, and the customer. And this is only done through this combination that you're talking about of using natural language processing and aspects of behavioral sciences in this communication of processes like lending, which I mean, are typically longer term relationships engagements. I mean, a loan, whether it's an auto loan or a home loan or, or a student loan is something that is with you for quite a while. And, and there's many points of interaction that can make the relationship better or, or worse. So that, that, that's the way I understand it. Am, am I understanding it correctly? 
Yeah, and in fact, uh, I love the way you you know you honed on to what the key uh, topic here is, the key challenge here is. In an increasingly digital world, we actually are seeking to rebuild the connections we used to have. And putting the human back is very important. And you know, financial institutions have, like, trust has always been important. So in the, you know, back in the old days, we had those Greek columns because that showed trust and stability. In today's age, in which everything is digital, it's rebuilding that connection by smartly using technology. That's going to be the key differentiator. Isn't it amazing, Sandeep, that um, uh, we are at a point where, where we're looking for ways or valuing more uh, the relationship building during the transaction rather than the transaction it's, itself. And, and we are hearing more and more that customers remain loyal, not so much because of the reduced cost or um you know, other aspects like, you know, maybe you, you offer more services or, or products, but it is really going back to the experience as in the relationship. And especially for, for the stuff that we are talking with loans that are not, you know, um, frequent, uh, small interactions, they are long-term relationships and they can lead, one can lead to another, right? You do your auto loan if you have a good um, experience, then, then you'll do other loans, consumer loans uh, to whatever, for whatever reasons, you need those small business loans with the same provider. Yeah, and these are major financial commitments for most of us. And you make that easy. And more importantly, you do the thing that is right for the consumer, you help them along their financial journey, and you become their partner through this journey. Right. So you may start off, right. you know, when they were students and they started maybe with a student loan or they were in college and they got their first credit card. And then they will trust you when it comes to wealth management and estate planning. So to do that, trust is important and how we are building this trust in an increasingly digital world, because Effie, the other part of it is we're not going back to the way we used to work before the pandemic. Uh, more than 90, 95% of all interactions now with financial services firms starts digital, right? I check my balances digitally. Even if I go to a branch, I may actually be using a self-service ATM. So a lot of transactions have now moved on to digital. And so when we are moving beyond digital to interacting in person, interacting over voice, those are massive and very important opportunities to reinforce. But we cannot just try, uh, depend on that. We need to augment that with the way we interact during this digital journey. Very interesting. Sandeep, before closing, can you share with us other sort of use cases of these analytics combining the AI and, and uh, behavioral sciences that are focused again in improving the relationship between the financial services provider and the client? We, we spoke about loans. Are there other areas? How much time do we have? As much as you want, uh, <laughs> Sandeep. So we have been talking about the you know, customer experience. Let's look at employee experience because there are two sides of the same coin. You cannot have one without the other. Now, in today's world, using the aggregate anonymous insights that you can get 
uh, about employees engagement with productivity tools, along with Microsoft Viva Insights and employee surveys, a customer of ours is able to, you know, get a lot of data around how employees are working, uh, you know, what their satisfaction levels are, what's working, what's not working. So one of the things that they found looking through this data was that on average, people were working more than six hours a week compared to pre-pandemic times. And they also found out that there was an increased risk of burnout. So think about the time we are living in where making sure that you are the firm of choice for talented employees, qualified employees is, is something that every manager is thinking about. So what this firm did is they armed with the insights that they got from the telemetry and also from surveys, they started coming up with ways in which they could incentivize the employees to balance work and life. So they came up with programs to encourage people to take time off, right? just focus on things other than work. And then even during the work week, what happens is using Viva Insights, periodically employees are given suggestions how they can balance meetings with downtime, focus time and breaks. So with the click of a button, you get an email and you can click a button and then guess what? It'll schedule breaks during the day for you. So using these strategies, they've already started seeing improvements in employee satisfaction and engagement scores. The reason I like this example, Effie, we don't need a large, huge, multi-year transformation effort. The data we have and the tools we have today, we can affect change today. Uh, all we need to do is look at it, analyze it, and then look, try, try different ways in which we can fail fast. Very interesting. It's a great example. I love it. This uh, the relationship between the employer and the employees, and and using these technologies uh, to to build um, a more empathetic, uh, I would call it rather than uh, compassionate in this case relationship, and improve both the productivity for uh, the employer and the well-being for the employee. That, that's a great example. And on that note, uh, Sandeep, I'd like to thank you. Uh, this was really a, a, a very interesting discussion. I, again, love this combination of the technology, the algorithm, the behavioral sciences you, you set the goal of what kind of relationship you want to have and you deploy it towards that. Thank you again, Sandeep. My pleasure.